Hello and welcome back to AHP's Off The Record. My name is Anna. And my name is Jo. We've now interviewed nine out of the 14 AHP professions, alongside a couple of special episodes about AHP's day and health careers live. We have indeed. And today we are interviewing our 10th allied health professional, <laughs> um, someone whose role is very well recognised by the public and generally in healthcare, but probably less well known for being an AHP. Yeah, exactly. Today we're wanting to learn a little bit more about the world of paramedics and we're really grateful to be joined today by Tom Nettleton. Um, Tom, would you mind introducing yourself to everybody? Oh, hello. So I'm Tom. I'm a paramedic practitioner. Um, so working in a walk-in centre in North London um, that's recently been designated an urgent treatment centre. Um, so I'm mainly see kind of minor injury, minor illness across the lifespan in my current role um, across a, you know, um, a quite a varied number of patients in, in different presentations, um, as well as some work with the ambulance service and the, the voluntary sector as well. Amazing. Um, so this time it is my turn to have a go at defining what being a paramedic means. Um, and feel free to correct me with anything that I've said afterwards, Tom. So most people will probably have heard the term paramedic and reckon they have a reasonably good idea about what that means. Paramedics are registered healthcare professionals who have a unique role that crosses healthcare, public health, social care and public safety. They're generally most well known for working within ambulance services, providing immediate and emergency care in response to 999 calls made by the public. This role remains a large part of the profession and requires paramedics to work autonomously and make decisions in complex, high pressure, unfamiliar and often unpredictable circumstances. However, many paramedics now also work in other areas of healthcare, such as GP practices, emergency departments, education and research. There are many different career paths that a paramedic can choose to go down and we hope that during this podcast Tom will helpfully enlighten us with a bit more about the fact that not all paramedics wear green. How does that sound Tom? Um, I think that's really quite representative. I think for me kind of the key bit in that is the sort of health and social care that I think as a role the most common kind of misconception people have is it's all emergencies, all urgent, all trauma and we see you know a whole range of social social calls, falls, things like that that aren't really necessarily um, all trauma and you know blood and car accidents and road accidents and things there and I think that's probably the, the common thing that we find that people kind of don't understand in our role really. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we're we're really happy to have you so that we can maybe find out a little bit more about that. So if we go into our main questions then. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So, Tom, tell us a little bit about how you became a paramedic. Um, so I've been involved in the voluntary ambulance sector for um, years now, around about 14 years. So kind of from about age 11, I've been kind of involved in first aid and some life-saving and, and things there. So um, I've always had kind of a bit of a keen interest um, from that point. Um, so I definitely knew, I think right from that age, I wanted to do something in healthcare. Um, so 
I got to kind of do a few bits and bobs in kind of event work and experiencing some kind of ambulance work and things like that. And I also spent a bit of time in hospital um, in kind of elderly care and a stroke rehab unit. And I think kind of balancing the two for me, that kind of being out independently, autonomously, kind of really working on your own, making your decisions and things steered me more in the direction of being a paramedic, I think, than any other health professional role kind of more in that traditional hospital sense of perhaps the kind of nursing or, or, or similar roles um, that might kind of equate at that that level. You mentioned some some experience um, in the ambulance service did you manage to get specific work experience then with with the paramedic? Um, so in my kind of voluntary sector experience, um, I was able to kind of work with lots of different healthcare professionals, so kind of paramedics, doctors, nurses, quite closely. Um, never kind of out on a like an NHS sort of front line shift as such, but I got to know kind of lots of paramedics, find out different stages of their training and things like that, and kind of speak to them, get their advice, experience, and kind of see what they did with patients and their kind of decision making and. Uh, to think this is definitely where I want to go really. And in terms of then with the actual like course and degree what what is the usual pathway to become Um, a paramedic? So we've had um, quite a recent change in that process that um, historically um, there's going to have been two routes available to you from about 2000. So um, it's really, I think, quite a new profession in the first place anyway, that you've only really had professional registration and things from about 2000, 2001, um, initially with CPSM. So um, it's really a, a quite new, uh, still almost in its in its form and training, and this idea of paramedics being a really registered healthcare professional. Um, so the options kind of available to me at the time when I started were um, you could join an ambulance service and kind of follow an internal training sort of BTEC pathway um, to become an ambulance technician, and then after um, a certain amount of time, if you were considered a suitable candidate, you'd be moved on to a kind of higher level BTEC course. It would all be delivered internally. Um, that's now kind of a closed pathway that it doesn't really exist anymore. Um, and it's moved towards university education. Um, and now um, it will be degree only with a kind of BSc or academic level six study. Um, so all paramedics now qualifying will have to um, kind of work to that level. Um, so for me, um, once in, um, initially like a pre-registration three-year BSc degree in paramedic science um, with the University of Hertfordshire so um, that was my kind of choice there and um, when I was looking when I was applying back in 2012 it was just five universities offered a BSc degree so you could literally put your UCAS in like one to five of, of mm. in order of how you like them and that was almost the choice you had um, and there was a number of other institutions offering kind of dip HEs and foundation degrees but um, that you could also pick from. That's amazing does, it, does that mean now that there's quite a lot there's quite um, a lot more now? Oh, I think it's grown hugely now that there's lots and lots of universities offering now pre um, and postgraduate courses for um, pre-registration students, which is quite exciting. So there's really um, must be into 30 or 40 courses, I think, now for um, paramedic science compared to where we were at BSc level. And there's two universities now offering pre-registration MSc um, sort of accelerated programmes for people with healthcare experience, which is 
um, I think going to be quite an interesting pathway because often for people that's been quite off-putting that if you've maybe got another mm. professional registration, would you want to go back to studying a full three-year BSc if you've got some transferable skills? So hopefully we're kind of now open to people from kind of both pathways to maybe get an, an experience and, and be able to train as a paramedic um, in perhaps the most suitable way, really. Absolutely. And how about when when you initially qualified? I guess for a lot of other AHP professions, we have to do rotations and we work in those different areas, but it must be really, that whole initial qualifying period must be quite different for a paramedic. Is there any kind of protocol that you need to do when you initially qualify? Um, so I think um, now, certainly for paramedics, I think we're a bit better supported um, in terms of rotational placement pre-registration and there's the newly qualified paramedic scheme as well so I think paramedics now entering courses they have placements in A&E placements in mental health services um, sometimes some elderly care and sort of frailty placements and things as well so I think there's a little bit more rotational placement there whether for us, us we just got a kind of two-week elective placement which I did actually do in a, a walk-in centre as well um, before qualifying and then a short anaesthetic placement um, and again for us we had a, a bit of a period where you were supported for some weeks with another um, paramedic with over two years experience but um, now there's a much more structured newly qualified paramedic scheme where you've got kind of a, a year to six months of supported practice where you'll only be working with another paramedic with over two years experience um, and then there's um, some sort of differentiation that you wouldn't be expected to discharge patients without onward referral or discussion with another HCP or the clinical support desk or something there. So I think there's really a, a lot more kind of supervision and support now than perhaps was available when, when we kind of started and finished. But it seems really good that we're kind of moving forward and, and supporting people, as I think other professions like sort of especially midwifery and nursing and things have had for a really long time. Mm. Amazing. And you sort of mentioned about um, you working alongside people of different professions. It sounds like doing similar jobs. Um, and I know that you're um, definitely on Twitter quite active with the Not All Paramedics Wear Green uh, hashtag. It'd be quite interesting just to hear a bit more about um, sort of different career pathways that are available to paramedics. Um, oh, definitely. And I think that's one of the most exciting things. Now, I think when, when I started my course there was the, the very odd paramedic you might get them maybe worked in a like a minor injury unit or a walk-in centre or something there and some of the first the emergency care practitioners had been doing that for a little bit of time with maybe some GP placements and things but we really are now I think um, paramedics have kind of out there and doing all sorts of things, um, be it in kind of research roles or um, management roles. With um, one of my good friends um, is kind of an a, acute manager for um, emergency care for a trust as a paramedic. I know other people that kind of work in patient safety and all sorts of really quite specialised roles within a hospital setting and kind of use their skills and experience to um, benefit that. Um, 
and you know there's um i was recently just doing a, a, an ambulance shift with someone that works within a copd rapid response team um, as a paramedic with that as the original base qualification and i think really it's kind of it's becoming a really good interchangeable skill set and i think people are realizing as, as well i suppose that um for anything that might perhaps involve home visiting or seeing patients in their own home or where you need kind of a degree of urgent assessment differentiation and decision making i think that paramedic role is really interchangeable almost in whatever setting that might be um so i think for us in our, our role within the urgent treatment center it's kind of picking up a patient and really quickly working out you know what's going on what's your assessment what your differential diagnosis and you know, is this person safe to stay here should they actually be in an emergency department do they actually need to just go and see the community service like a pharmacy and you know, could they be self-caring and managing this there so I think it's kind of those skills are really interchangeable in that speed of assessment the, the diagnosis and that signposting um, for there is really helpful. Um, and Tom you've touched on it a bit at the beginning but can you tell us a bit about your current um, job role and department or how, and how you ended up doing that? Um, so my current role then is working in an urgent treatment centre as a paramedic practitioner. Um, so it's a really, for me, quite an exciting role that I literally get to kind of um, pick my caseload of patients um, within kind of a range of anything that I feel kind of sub- comfortable to see, treat and discharge, really. So um, I'm kind of within an urgent treatment centre will have a, a list of almost completely undifferentiated patients that can book in with all sorts of medical and traumatic presentations really across the lifespan. So it can take me from seeing bits of kind of elderly care to paediatrics um, and really like across the specialties. So you, know, you can be seeing kind of a medical patient to an ENT presentation to a surgical presentation, an orthopaedic presentation. So you, you get to jump across all these kind of skills and specialities through the day. Um, and really, for me, it's kind of just once the patient's been triaged, taking an assessment, ordering kind of tests and things that I think are appropriate. So I've got a scope to be able to order under Irma all of my own imaging and things with x-rays, ECG interpretation, urinalysis, point of care bloods and things like that to help me make a diagnosis as well as my assessment skills. Um, and then um, we're able to then uh, either issue medication under a PGD for course and I'm just hopefully now completed my non-medical prescribing portfolio so hopefully we'll be able to kind of work as an independent prescriber um, for the patients and, and issue a prescription at the end of the consultation if I think it's appropriate um, and the nice thing is we're kind of a really well supported kind of multidisciplinary team from um, other nurse practitioners um, we've got pharmacist um, advanced clinical practitioners working with us points um, and then GPs and some other specialty doctors as well so it's a really kind of collaborative team environment and we're kind of always sharing skills and expertise between each other and um, kind of what led me um, into that is um, originally kind of after my graduation I worked for the ambulance service and um, as a paramedic primarily as a solo responder paramedic was my kind of main role and it was really there was a bit of a change within the kind of call handling and processing that saw you um, kind of attending less nine and nine calls in a day and for me I like to be busy I like to be moving seeing patients and I always think the more patients you see in a day sort of the more chance you've got of seeing that case that you've never seen before or something that really kind of piques your interest so um, I kind of felt that I just needed a bit of a, a change of pace, change of role and um, moved um, into this service um, in 2018 and have stayed there since. 
And did you have to do sort of additional qualifications to to move into that service? Um, so um, to get there, we then did some additional study um, of kind of a, a level seven minor injury, minor illness course. So um, you need to then kind of have your kind of advanced assessment for minor injury and minor illness um, before moving into the role. And then there's a bit of a preceptorship period as well that you're kind of supported um, over six months um, to kind of utilise those skills, complete um, kind of had of um, other training and things for the kind of procedural competencies for like relocation of joints, suturing, um, manipulation of fractures things like that that wouldn't be kind of typical paramedic skills um for like a, an nhs ambulance paramedic um so we're kind of well supported to develop those absolutely no definitely and i mean um it sounds like you've had a lot of experience in different settings and actually one of the things that we've started doing has been asking some of our followers on our instagram and um, facebook page if they have any questions for our um, podcast guests um, and we put it out to them and they actually came back with um, a question that we quite liked and um, it was like what is what has been your most unusual call out your most unusual experience um, I think for me, my probably favourite call like that I would always remember would be New Year's Day, um, working on a, a car on my um, own as a solo responder, being called to um, support a crew for a lady that had decided she was going to start her um, New Year by taking up some exercise. And in the first couple of minutes of her exercise video, collided with her wardrobe, broke her pelvis and was um, up a flight of stairs in quite a sorry state and being um, called to give her some kind of extra analgesia and, and things to get her um, out and extracted safely but um I think that was um she was able to see the funny side quite well of um oh, bless you know, how, how badly her, her first floor into exercise on New Year's Day had gone but um I, I think I'll always remember that quite clearly as a, an entertaining call really that brings a whole new meaning yeah. exactly brings a whole new meaning to the whole new year new me thing doesn't it really Oh, bless her. No, that's really funny. Bless her. Well, I think we all probably have hundreds of stories from different places and different things. And yeah, I think um, I suppose everyone in healthcare, really, there's all these stories and times and things of kind of the, the good, bad, the ugly that we, we all have, really. I think talking about our experiences leads quite nicely on to um, the next section. Um, what we like to do is is have a discussion with people we're interviewing about about the past sort of year and a half and and how their role and and just everything about their their job has been affected by the pandemic. So it'd just be good to hear a bit about about your COVID story. Um, oh, so I think for us it's been a, a bit of a, a funny time, really, with some almost um, peaks and troughs. So I think. Um, in terms of the urgent treatment centre sort of setting, we've seen um, it, you know a, a bit of a variation in initially through the kind of the the first bits of COVID and the peaks of COVID, um, attendances you know dropped down really quite low, and I think we saw patients were really anxious to come to the hospital, um, worried about you know, attending and um, and trying to manage all sorts of things at home. And we saw quite a few delayed presentations with people that had waited like you know, a week, two weeks with a you know, broken foot or broken this and been hobbling around at home, really anxious to come to the hospital and then you know, finally come in. And so that was, I think, quite almost upsetting to these patients that were really that scared and that worried. They were trying to manage with all sorts of things and 
there um so we that was a, a little bit i think of a, an unusual experience to see these really low numbers of patients and and what we were seeing was often you know quite acute and quite complicated by the time things had been left um and i think um so we we had that really reasonably low number of attendances and we you tried to sort of support some other functions and transfer to the emergency department and help them where we could um if we weren't so busy um and also in my role as well i've started to look at some other sort of project work and some stuff around covid swabbing and things like that as well so we were supporting that and there and that kind of work was helping to look at that recovery side of the trust going back to you know operating it's kind of day surgery and getting patients in for endoscopy and other procedures and things like that especially those you know high risk sort of two-week weight patients that really needed like urgent treatment and things there so um it kind of led us to perhaps a few different areas and a few different projects and things we might not have normally done which was um it's sort of interesting with the, with the time and things to see some other areas and some completely different work really um so and then i think in the last couple of months and things we've seen really then a, a huge rise in attendances and workload and things like that and it feels like suddenly everything's kind of come back and come back with a, a vengeance of seeing really high flows of patients high numbers of patients and and things like that and perhaps where people have waited a bit with things and felt they couldn't seek um health and care at the time and now kind of resurfacing and coming back and hopefully feeling that they're like safe and able to access healthcare. I guess from a paramedics perspective, obviously being like the whole the frontline workers and you guys really very much being the definition of like frontline, um, did that ever come with any kind of like additional pressure or how do you feel as a as a profession everyone's like kind of coped and managed during this time um I think certainly for colleagues that have kind of I think been in the ambulance service and things and and really doing that day-to-day frontline responding and things like that I think again they've had that quite peak that in the first phases they were incredibly busy and huge numbers of calls waiting and just trying to get to people as quickly as they can and and juggling this this pressure and things and I suppose for us we work very closely with our emergency dispatch colleagues as well and um they were you know holding huge numbers of calls drug juggling all this stuff on their screens which I think was really really very stressful and very difficult and having to just keep bringing patients back and explaining that you know the the ambulance service will get to them as quickly as they possibly can and everybody is trying but just things are hugely busy um but I think on the the patient side and things as well from the people were hugely understanding and supportive and helpful and you know looking to self-care wherever they possibly could and and you know, the, the interactions and things I think for me were some of the nicest times I've had in my whole career with people just so grateful and thank you thankful and pleasant and things and you know the, the people were leaving like boxes of chocolates on ambulances and notes and cards and sweets and all sorts of things so I think it was a, a very un- unusual time of this real balance of some really terrible and difficult and stressful times with some also really pleasant and nice and you know, the, these really you know, gestures of thanks and things from from the public were was almost a, a funny kind of really stark difference between things at the time almost. I think it must have been odd because I think with a lot of of other community services um 
you know often often other other professionals going and not necessarily going in for urgent things and you know patients who um potentially have covid or or there's been covid in the household you know often those those visits or those sessions might have got postponed whereas actually i think for for ambulance crew I, i think or for paramedics, you know, you're, you're already going into um, very sort of unknown or unpredictable circumstances and then adding on the the added pressure that you don't know whether there might, I guess in the early stages particularly, um, you didn't know whether there was going to be um, the added risk of COVID there as well. So it must have been just quite a lot of pressure, I guess. Yeah, I guess from our, um, when we were redeployed in different areas, working in areas that we don't, we weren't necessarily from, not necessarily familiar with from a a COVID standpoint I think then returning back to what was the normal what was considered the new norm just remembering what you used to do before and going back to your old practice I bet that must have been um, especially because the variety of what you see is so so much and so different all the time actually not having that um, as you said seeing the same thing all the time and all of a sudden going back to your norm that must have been quite difficult too. Yeah, and I think there was a, a fair amount for us of refreshing and seeing things and, and certainly things like paediatric minor illness and stuff that really when schools were closed and children weren't going to nursery and almost all these kind of common viral things and that normally would circulate and we see day to day, suddenly there was almost a point where we hadn't seen this stuff for like near on a, a year almost and it, it was suddenly all back and yeah, it, it was almost refreshing yourself and, and returning to, to the normal was, you know, quite it was almost a bit of revision and recapping really to to remind yourself of it all going into visits just really not knowing what you're going to find at all oh no and I think um and the other really and some of these patients as well that you were seeing these happy hypoxic people that could be really terribly sick and then you they'd walk to their door onto the door and then not so you did some orbs they'd have like sats of 70 on air and be upright and talking and walking and it was just quite bizarre seeing so many just seriously ill people just back to back to back um and also I think just so much of the same thing as well was very odd as well that these kind of it was almost got to a point where it was quite at the other side of this it's almost a bit unusual going back to patients now that have a whole wealth of things as other complaints because it almost just felt like everything was COVID everything was this and you you almost weren't seeing anything else I think was quite unusual too. Okay, let's go on to our next section. So our next section is called the three fives, where basically we'll ask you a section um, of questions related to, well, the number five. But the first question is, when you initially qualified, where did you see yourself in five years time? I think um, for me, my initial kind of interest in where I was kind of maybe thinking I might go was more towards kind of some more acute care. So um, perhaps I, I was looking at whether I'd become perhaps a resuscitation officer or look into more of a perhaps education and training role um, within that more critical and acute care. So I think I've kind of really taken quite a, a side step in the other direction perhaps to look at more uh, uh, urgent care minor illness minor injury and, and looking after these patients well so I think it's a, a bit of a, a contrast from that yeah, initial thought that I was going to perhaps look at this really acute and critical care and I suppose the most unwell patients you can see and I've maybe kind of sidestepped from that quite a bit really to to look at these much more minor illness and minor injury there. And if you weren't working in your current area, 
um, what other career path or what other area might you have pursued to work in? Um, the uh, in in terms of I think um, a, a healthcare setting, it probably would have been that kind of education and training resuscitation role. But um, I think my other career plan that um, I kind of never did follow or do was to maybe look at um, my whole family kind of really um, nobody was particularly involved in healthcare apart from one relative and um, everyone's either been vets or worked in the um, sort of civil service so the other thing I was looking at possibly was becoming kind of either a trading standards or health and safety inspector which is <laughs> um, I suppose kind of um, maybe follows down that a bit of line of public safety and um, kind of in that kind of health prevention health promotion sort of work but yeah quite different to I suppose where I am now. I like that though. <laughs> Because it's still like it still is about helping people. Like it's still, yeah. as you said, it's still down that safety route. But it's just yeah, just a slightly different different pathway. Yeah, touching. And in terms of with the next question, so before you started studying, what were five things that you didn't necessarily know about training to be a paramedic or being a paramedic? Um, I think that while you're kind of aware of it and everyone tells you when you apply you should know that this isn't all trauma and things like that I think just the amount of kind of social care um, frequent callers kind of and just being that um, sort of person when people don't really know what to do they come to you Um, so I think it is just that amount of kind of social care and interaction in these regular patients that especially in in the NHS ambulance service you, you sometimes have patients that you could be going to almost once a week and you almost have this um kind of almost oddly kind of friendly relationship with these people that perhaps lead really dysfunctional lives but you know the ambulance service is part of that support and you almost get to know them and I think that is quite an un- unusual thing that you know, and I think really no matter how many times people tell you that you probably uh, you almost don't believe it till you see it really um so I think that was quite a, a surprise and it, it's quite something to get used to and experience and Actually, I think if you just learn to kind of understand that these patients really are important and they you know, they don't really have anywhere else to go to sometimes and you know, we, we are there for them and, and keep them going. And if, if you can work with that, I think it can be quite rewarding. Mm, um, no, and I think when I'm training people about kind of making 909 calls and things and some other work, um, there's a, a video I really like about um, someone calling um, about a problem with their eggs and you kind of think, well, actually, to a certain extent, who do you actually call if you've got no friends or family and, and you want some advice about your out-of-date eggs because there probably is no no other service or that there is sometimes a point where people do just turn to 909 because where else would they go? Mm-hmm. That's actually quite cool. I'd completely forgotten about the driving aspect. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think um, the sort of the level of autonomy and decision-making as well, I think, is really, um, I think, probably quite exciting. I think is perhaps kind of un- undervalued that there are probably no other professions where you can kind of start as a new registrant and you have so much kind of decision-making assessment skill um, kind of that you really can then, uh, as a professional, you can kind of you know, read an ECG in someone's front room and decide whether you're going to take them to a heart attack centre and A&E and, and what and where and things there. So I think that autonomy, while you again kind of know that you're going to get a bit of that, I think that's really quite exciting and I think really is probably one of the key selling bits to the profession. 
And um, I suppose for me as well, the, one of the other things was just the, the element of driving as well. That, um, And I think one of the things that people probably don't put in, that if you're looking at becoming a, an ambulance paramedic, just little things for me, like just learning to follow a sat-nav and stuff, is just like um, driving through um, kind of some of the areas that I used to work in. And like, you've got this sat-nav that's just popping in and out and sometimes it loses signal and I think having kind of a sense of direction and ability to follow a sat nav has probably been one of my most stressful points in my whole career <laughs> and when, especially when you've got kind of a really sort of nasty sounding job on the screen and you're you're trying and trying to find where you're going I think that um, um of driving and parking and and sat nav following is probably one of the other things that really kind of is a bit throwing and catches you out and I think I think kind of if you are looking at doing it perhaps just making sure you've got your your ability to parallel park and and follow <laughs> something that would be quite useful um, I've got to ask is there obviously you you know you're you're in a bit of a stress you're on the way to an emergency um is there an element of excitement when you put that that siren on and start whizzing between cars or are the other cars just annoying because they're in your way oh I think there's probably nobody that wouldn't say that it's just a little bit fun and it just probably never get, gets a totally boring that that kind of um I, and I think um the, the only really bad bit is sometimes well when you're driving home um and then I, I have nearly on a couple of occasions done things like change radio stations and then almost gone through red lights because you kind of know that you need to do something at lights um so I think trying to remember that you're not in work mode as well is really quite important but um <laughs> It definitely, yeah, it's kind of, um, I, I think it never gets too boring, that ability to um, to drive and, yeah, and it is definitely, I think, probably um, it, it, perhaps an unconsidered skill for me, just that kind of, and, and how tiring that is as well, that, you know, because you, it is sometimes almost more tiring than seeing the patients veering between traffic and planning and the decision making that comes with that is, is quite a skill as well. I guess we don't we don't really think about it. if you watch a a TV show that's got paramedics driving to a scene you see maybe about 30 seconds of them driving and then they're magically there so I think you yeah. forget that they actually had to travel a bit of a way to get there yeah and certainly if you're in a car and you're driving miles on your own and then you you, you could be doing like you know, 15 20 minute run to something while you're trying to drive and navigate and you've got kind of details of a job where you're going an RVP and things like that probably for me as well I think it's really nice just the, the recognition and the appreciation I think you get from other professionals too that um, I think we really have a, a very close relationship with our medical colleagues and I think it's really nice that we're um, almost seen as kind of an equal in patient's care I think as well it's something that I I think I really enjoy about the advanced practice and, and that kind of hospital working that um, relatively recently we also do some kind of site response stuff and site emergency response and um, when there was recently kind of a cardiac arrest at work which is obviously kind of as a paramedic it's a really core cool skill and we do that and I've you know, led and managed probably hundreds of cardiac arrests in my career now and when you actually think well this is a kind of a great transferable skill and there was you know, a number of medical colleagues and doctors and things like that but actually to have people kind of stand back and go well you do this more than we do or let you take the lead on this is really nice to have that kind of really almost like equal status in in what we do I think is it seems a really good step forward that as AHPs we're really able to be part of patient's care and and it's, it's almost looking for the most appropriate person rather than just um, that kind of old and hierarchical um, kind of 
the, that the doctor is the person that we all kind of follow and look after and the doctor says this so we do it I think it's really yeah, exactly. nice where we're kind of shared in that no I com- yeah I completely agree I think there is something about the the paramedic profession that as we said at the start that we, we don't necessarily associate paramedics with being AHPs and allied health professionals because I think yeah. they have like a um they do have a reputation that I know for me, for instance, as even as a physio, like a very, I hold all my professions hopefully in high regard, but I do also like paramedics. You guys are up there in terms of (laughs) what you guys have to do and put up with and, and things day to day. And um, as, as you said, in terms of just being recognized as, as equals with your other medical colleagues, I think that's really important, especially with what you're trying to promote in terms of the fact that not, all paramedics wear green I guess it's also just because we're not in our what our typical uniform we are still very much paramedics but and we yeah. deserve the same recognition as, as such um I, and I think um one of my colleagues always used to say kind of that you can quite never quite take us off the road that we um wherever we are we kind of can spring back into that paramedic mode hopefully and it kind of all comes flooding back um and I think I think probably my final and fifth one would just be the transferability of it. I think as well that for me that the other thing I really enjoy is I get to just practice in lots of different settings in the week. So the week for me might be um, kind of a couple of shifts in the urgent treatment centre, then a shift out on an ambulance, and then maybe some event work, you know, as well in the week. So it can kind of take me all over the place and all over the country in quite a lot of weeks as well. That. I think it's really nice that you can have that ability to pop in and out of lots of different settings and just keep things fresh and different and and see see different things in different places really yeah it's a really nice variety um and I think for me as well the probably I suppose the the only other thing I suppose would just be the the ability to kind of just keep it expanding your role that I think there's some core kind of skills that you can have and sort of every paramedic would be expected to do systems assessment read an ECG and things like that but actually I think just the kind of learning early on in your career that actually you you can almost really learn any assessment skills and information and things like that and just the more you learn I think the more interesting your role would be that um, from when I'm used to practice more in the ambulance service I used to have kind of just a policy of do something for a week so just um kind of learn a skill and then just practice it on every patient it was safe to for a week so just the, to kind of retain these things so I think just to go away and, and just every week learn something and then you just make that your assessment or your score or something of the week so it might be say you just pick like the world's DVT score and just every patient I'd have for a week just if it was safe and it wasn't time critical and um, kind of it was okay and appropriate to do just kind of keep practicing keep learning and I think that was probably kind of a good realization of actually just make this interesting and keep learning stuff so would you say oh sorry I know I'm here for your shoulder but do you mind me just having a look at your leg as well um, well I think um so kind of just that you if you I suppose you'd have to kind of pick where it would be appropriate but kind of then like any chest pain, any breathlessness, any dizziness, anything mm. like that, you can kind of just pick up these assessment skills and keep learning stuff that I think just not to kind of limit yourself to just thinking um, I, I've learned what I've learned at uni and carry on. I think kind of just that almost being self-directed and and just keeping your CPD, keeping your research. But no, I suppose it'd be just difficult to justify for your sore shoulder or your, your cut <laughs> finger. But... <laughs> And it'd be great to know five things that you enjoy about your job. 
Um, so I think um, for me, the thing that keep, um, I think absolutely is the autonomy. And I think the thing that I, I love with this is just the, that kind of constantly kind of developing autonomy in, in everything you can do. So I think it is that turning up at a patient, making your assessment, making your diagnosis, and maybe then discharging that person on scene. And you can be that the only, the only person that's involved in that patient's care from start to finish. I think that is my absolute favourite thing about this job is is that ability to do that and hopefully to get this prescribing as well and be able to kind mm -hmm. of then see, treat and, and prescribe for a patient all in one, I think is really exciting. And um, I think the other sort of nice thing is just that, that team and, and things there that I think there is something quite special about especially working in the ambulance service where you might have one colleague that you you work with for a really extended period of time and you get to know these people really well that you could be spending 12 plus hours a day with them for four days in a week and I think that's quite sort of a, a special thing that I suppose you perhaps don't get in many other facets of healthcare to have someone where you really almost can know all sorts about them and um, you kind of can develop some really quite close friends that will I think stay with you for a long time and things there which is really nice um, and I suppose perhaps with other other settings where I've worked in where you have much more a larger team you just don't quite get that kind of interpersonal communication and um, mm. that knowledge about someone else and um, I think the other thing I really enjoy is kind of just the, the teaching and the mentoring things as well. I suppose as a before that um, I really kind of enjoy being able to I think pass stuff on to um student paramedics or or people at all stages of their career so in my role at the moment we do quite a lot of mentoring for paramedics looking to go into advanced or specialist practice so um we kind of take placement paramedics while they're doing their minor injury minor illness course and um, um and also with nurses as well so i kind of get to kind of help to mentor and, and develop um nurses paramedics and, and things in there kind of move into advanced practice and for me, I think that's really quite enjoyable to see these people really grow in confidence, develop skills um, and understand that you know, the, the, how far they can go in their career. And it's not too difficult. But I think we have a lot of paramedics come in and think this is going to be the, the hardest thing they've done. And it's a whole new environment. It feels really mm. overwhelming. And, and when you see them kind of get to the end of the placement and they're really there and doing things, it's really nice. Mm. And the last question that we have for you, Tom, is what would you tell students thinking of becoming a paramedic? Um, I think it really is probably, I, I, I think I'd recommend it to, to almost anyone, I think, really, that it really, it kind of, it's exciting, it's autonomous, it really does um, kind of let you, you know, be really involved in patients' care. And I think you you need to be sort of happy with that level of, autonomy and accountability and I think if you're if you're going to do it you really want to be happy with kind of making decisions planning care uh, and really being uh, okay and, and happy to kind of take that level of responsibility there but I think that probably goes across all of the professions that we, we should all be kind of autonomous and accountable and, and happy to really make robust decisions where it's needed um, I think then I think it is just being clear that it really isn't all kind of trauma and excitement all the time that you'll see lots of different things and it's kind of you, you have to be there and willing to be um, involved in, in social care and mental health and all sorts of um, uncomplicated problems and I think 
being okay with the fact that sometimes you'll not maybe be able to fix these things completely there and then, but you can do your best at that time and just you know talk to someone and and see what little bits you can do for them. But you might not go home being able to fix everything. Yeah, those things that it's it's not perhaps all all on the TV and the films as it is, and it it mm. will still be interesting and exciting, but there. And I think um, the other thing would just be, I think, just do do lots of different stuff that I think to to you know go on rotational placement, see other clinical settings, and see what you can learn from other people. That I think the the ambulance service is really interesting, exciting, and a great place to work. But I think having some rotation in in A and E and primary care and urgent care, you can bring so much back to that setting as well. So I think really learn from everyone you can and and get to do lots of different time with lots of different people. And, and I think that will kind of make you the best paramedic you can be, really. I've got to ask, I know you've mentioned um, the variety of different calls that you would get and the things that you'd be involved with, but I imagine that you've got to have a, a reasonably strong stomach just to be able to walk in some of, walk into some of the situations that you might have to walk into. Um, and I know that uh some people I know I know some doctors who for example the first time they saw something really uh a bit frightening or gory um collapsed or passed out did you have any any um situations sort of early in your career where you walked into something and just thought oh god I'm not sure if I can do this um I think there was one um really really um like a venous leg ulcer that was really like down to bone um in um in someone that really um, hadn't been looking after it at all which did um I think one of my colleagues I still work with today I do remember just being draped over the bonnet of the ambulance and retching <laughs> that really was almost too much but um I think one of the nice things we have is because there's likely to be only a few of you and you really are quite involved I think often compared to that being a bystander or being involved in something where you're kind of standing back and watching I think sometimes we have that nice part that you're so in and involved and you sort of just have to get on with it that sometimes you're almost not really aware of kind of what you've done and seen until it's almost been and gone so I think sometimes that's quite beneficial that we're you you can be so sucked in and busy that sometimes you don't really quite process how awful something is at the time but yeah I think probably a a bit of a strong stomach does help at points (laughs) well great last question Joe. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Tom. It's been really great like hearing more about the paramedic profession, not necessarily just from what we think we know, especially from TV shows and things like that. And even having worked with you guys briefly as AHPs as well, but um, there's so much more to what you guys do and um, we're very appreciative. Um, and thank you so much for sharing that with us oh thank you it's been yeah good good just but i think i would hopefully dispel some of that myth and just make, make sure people are, are clear and see how yeah, interesting exciting is it as a role really absolutely thank you so much and that's the end of the episode Thank you for listening to us having a chat with Tom. If you'd like to find out more about him or just generally more about becoming a paramedic, we've included some resources in our episode description. So hopefully we will see you soon. We've got some great guests coming up. Take care.